Alrighty, I want to say thank you again for this opportunity and for sticking around and hearing me preach this afternoon. If you take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and then when you're there, we're just going to go straight into the message this afternoon. So 1 Samuel 17 and verse 20, follow along. It is a little bit longer of a text, so bear with me here. I'm just going to kind of lay the foundation of our passage and tie it into our message today. And it's not a new story. This is a very popular story, so bear with me here. So 1 Samuel 17, um, verse 20, and it reads, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had to put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Verse 25. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. Verse 31, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servants will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said, and Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So I'll be honest, today's message that I've prepared for you guys isn't a really deep or profound one. You're not going to walk away thinking that you've never heard this, this, this sermon before. But for today's sermon, I've decided to kind of take it back to the basics. Because the tricky thing about the basics, right, is even though we know to do it, we sometimes fail at doing the basic things. This is something that I've personally had to go through again and again and really trust in God. And, and I hope it'll be a help to you guys today. 
If we look at verse 21, we see the situation. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Now today, it is no secret that as Christians, we are constantly at war. We're, we're in a battle against the devil and our own sin nature. We know that as time goes on, society doesn't get better, right? Society strays further and further from God, and sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up with what the world has to offer. And even if that doesn't tempt us, we even sometimes we struggle with our own selfish desire, our sin natures. And may, maybe we shouldn't be, we watch things we shouldn't be watching or listening to things we shouldn't be listening to. Um, maybe we even compromise on some of our beliefs that we strongly believe in so that for the younger guys, maybe we can fit in at school or, or our friend group or even at a workplace. We may not view them as big sins right away. Maybe we justify these, these wrong things and we call them little sins. And we say stuff like, at least I didn't do this or fill in the blank to whatever you want it to be. We are really good at making excuses, and often we allow these quote-unquote little sins into our lives, and eventually they turn into big sins. We, we joke about the slippery slope, right? But, but it's a real problem. And I remember when I was in college, I had one of my teachers, he used to say time and time again, if we don't take care of the little problems, they won't stay little. So again, we excuse all these little sins that come into our lives, then eventually we start realizing how much of a problem it is or, or how big of a sin it is to us. Then, after all that, we start playing the victim game, unfortunately, right? We start blaming God and asking why he even allowed these, these sins or these circumstances into our lives, and we use it as an excuse to why we're not able to serve God or be used by him. So for the sake of today's message, I'm going, to refer to, uh, I'm going to refer to the little sins we commit or the excuses we make or even the situations around us as problems in our lives, as giants in our lives. And I want to make this very clear. I'm not, I'm not pointing at fingers uh, today. I'm not calling anyone out. This is something that God is personally reminding me of, and I've, I've really been having to go through it and just trusting in him. So first of all, I want to point out the men of Israel in this passage. Here in verse 24, it says that when they saw the man being Goliath, fled from him and were sore afraid. So complete transparency. Um, as an example, two weeks ago, a pastor texted me about um, if, I was willing to be pre if I was willing to preach today. And I said yes. It took me a little bit, but I said yes. Um, and that's why you guys are stuck listening to me today. But Literally, so he texted me, was it the Tuesday? He texted me the Tuesday, and on the Wednesday, um, a situation came up on my life that completely took up all my headspace. You know, I was, I was very stressed about it, and I, I couldn't think about anything else, unfortunately. And I remember, so it was Wednesday night, I was talking to Avery, and I said, I don't think I'll be able to preach. I'm, I'm going to have to text pastor, and I just, I just can't right now because I just, I have too much on my plate. I'm so busy with work. This situation is, is just causing me to stress out, and I just, for maybe 10 minutes, I just gave her a list of reasons as to why I wouldn't be able to preach today. And I, I was making every excuse in the book, and Avery, um, being the brutally honest woman that she is, I love her, but she, she's honest. Um, she looked me dead in the face, and, and she called me out there and then, and she, she told me that I was allowing this situation that came up in my life as an excuse as to why I wasn't be able to serve God. She said that this, this problem, it was holding me back from serving God, and she was right. 
she was right. I needed to hear that because the truth is that that situation had caused me so much stress that it distracted me from the fact that I have a God who knows about my problems. He loves me, and I just need to trust him. I allowed this giant into my life, and just like the men of Israel, their goal was to beat the Philistines. But they saw Goliath, and they were afraid. They, they knew what needed to be done, and they were making excuses. None of them wanted to do it. They weren't willing to do it. They were looking around at each other, making excuses, hoping that someone else would come along and, and take care of this giant. And they failed to remember the, the honest truth that they weren't fighting for themselves, but they were fighting for the living God. They didn't want to fight this giant because they were relying on their own strength and relying on themselves rather than God. They let the situation get the better of them. Like the men of Israel, we often do the same. It's, it's so easy to, to see a need in our community or, or an opportunity in church that we could help with, and unfortunately, we just let that opportunity slip right by. In that moment that an opportunity comes, again, I'm speaking to myself, but we're really good at making excuses and start hoping that someone else will just fill that role. We let these giants come into our lives and we use them as excuses as to why we can't serve God, right? Some of our excuses that we tell ourselves, it's maybe I'm not qualified to do that, or I just have too many things going on. Or sometimes we even hope that someone else who is more qualified will come along and take care of the problem. Or even sometimes we might even pretend that we're too good for the situation or maybe we're above the situation in some areas in our lives. Again, we say, I, I wanted to help, but I, I also, I think it'd be good for someone else to step into that role, for someone else to get involved. That's what these men in the passage were doing. These mighty men of Israel were waiting for something or someone to magically come in and take care of this giant in their lives, and they weren't willing to do anything about it. But in our passage, we see David come along, and, and he notices the situation. He sees that there wasn't anybody going out there to fight Goliath, right? We see David's frustration in verse 26. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right? We see here, David was upset. How come no one was standing up and fighting for God? So secondly, in this passage, we see the willingness to serve. In verse 32, it says, And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David could have just sit around. He, he couldn't just sit around while Goliath's very existence was mocking God, right? David, David was fired up, and he was ready to do what needed to be done. David recognized the problem that was between the people and God, and the problem was the giant Goliath. So David was willing to go and fight Goliath, but not just fight Goliath, but to fight for God, to serve. And even though there was no one else willing to fight, fight Goliath besides David, can you believe that there were people who actually tried to discourage David, unfortunately? And one of these people being his older brother, and another one being the, the mighty king himself, King Saul. If you look in verse 33, it says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. King Saul was trying to reason with him. He said to David, you can't do battle against this giant. You're just, you're just a kid. You're not qualified. 
But that was a lie of the devil. Growing up in youth group, I was, I was very guilty, and even sometimes now, growing up, um, I always tried hanging out with the older kids in youth group, and they, they were good for me, you know? They, they pushed me to serve God even when I didn't want to, and they really set the, a good example of seeing the need and taking the lead. So when I was younger, I unfortunately, I adopted a sort of laziness because I knew that if there was a need, one of the older, more spiritual kids would take care of the problem because I, pff, I'm the youngest kid in youth group, right? I'm just, I'm not qualified. There's always someone more spiritual who would take care of it. I had the mentality that God doesn't need to use me. I'm too young, right? And I was just a kid, but now that I'm older, I'm 25, I'm married, most of my friends that I was in the youth group with, they, they aren't around to keep me accountable. No one's there to push me, say, hey, you should do this, you should fill this need. No, one, no one's there doing that for me from my youth group. So now I, I constantly need to ask myself this question. What's my excuse for not serving God? What, what sins are in my life that stop me from serving God? Or what, what giants am I allowing to hinder me from serving God? So if you look back in our passage, continuing verse 33, Saul also said that Goliath was a man of war from his youth. And again, I'm not quite sure why, because even though Saul didn't want to step up and fight Goliath, he tried intimidating David. He said, David, are you sure you want to fight him? This giant is trained, and you really think you could beat him? Again, I want to say this. The, the devil is a master deceiver. He, he's the prince of this world. He knows exactly what to say and what to do to render us useless for the work of God if we allow him to do so. The devil, the devil will whisper in your ear, ear, and he'll say stuff like, you can't do that. You're not qualified. Or you're not even needed for that problem. He'll say stuff like, don't bother yourself with that. You're beyond that. And sometimes, again, if we allow him, we believe his lies and we make ourselves useless like the men of Israel. But David knew he wasn't fighting this battle alone. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that doesn't look at your qualifications? God will and can use anyone as long as they're willing to be used. David knew this and also knew that he was fighting for the living God. Look at David's response in verse, verses 34 to 37. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. So I like to view this as, as David's resume then, but today we know David as a giant slayer, one of the greatest kings in Israel, and a man after God's own heart. But at the time of this passage, David was a complete nobody. He was the youngest of all of his brothers. He's probably the smallest, and he was a complete nobody, right? He was in charge of watching his father's sheep. And that doesn't sound like an exciting job to me. It sounds not important, I'll be honest. But we know the story, right? Both a lion and a bear came to David, and he killed both of them. 
He could have easily just let the lion or bear take one of his father's sheep because who wants to risk their life for one measly sheep? But the important fact is that David was faithful to his job. He went out there, he grabbed the lion by the beard, and he killed it. And do you think that possibly David was scared about this? I mean, realistically, I would be, right? But David was given a job, and he was faithful to it. If I, be- I personally believe if David didn't kill both the lion and the bear, that I don't think he would have gone up against Goliath. Personally, I, I just I don't believe that. But the lion and the bear was preparing David to fight the giant. God used that as, as preparation for that. Now, this is what I was talking about when I said, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the basics. We're not going to overcome these giants in our lives if we aren't taking the necessary steps or preparations to even fight them. Overcoming the flesh, we know this, isn't a magical thing that happens after salvation, right? We don't become a perfect saint. We don't get the halo over our head. Um, but every day, it's a constant struggle to die to self and to live for Christ. And again, like th- this is for me. We might have the right motives and desires to serve God, but when the time comes, we let these giants into our lives, and it keeps us from serving God. We, we say stuff like, I should go help those people, but I don't want to inconvenience myself. I- I'd love to serve in church, but I don't want to change this part in my schedule. I'd love, I'd love to beat the sin in my life, but I don't have time to read the Word of God and even ask God for His strength. That's what we do sometimes, unfortunately. At least me personally, I've done that. I do that. Like, for me, the future is absolutely the most terrifying thing for me. It's, it's one of my giants. When I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do after that, and that, that freaked me out. So I went to Bible college like everyone else, and I went to Bible college, and I didn't know what I wanted to be. Being a teacher sounded fun. So I was studying to be a teacher. And today, like, obviously I've graduated. I don't use my degree. I'm, I'm a barber. I pay the bills by being a barber. I cut hair. So if you were to ask me today where I see myself in 10 years, I probably couldn't tell you. And honestly, it scares me. I start to worry about if I'm doing something wrong with my life. Because again, I see some of my friends, they're all in ministry, right? They're starting churches, and I'm cutting hair in St. Thomas or in London. And Sometimes I doubt myself, am am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Or am I doing everything I possibly can to take care of my family or even my church family? But something I've been learning is that I can't worry about all the small things about my future because God up above loves me and he has a perfect plan for me. He has a perfect plan for you. So what I need to worry about is how I'm preparing myself right now so that God can use me. Ephesians 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And again, I say, if we want to win against these giants in our lives, we have to be preparing ourselves, reading God's word, being faithful to church, taking the things we learn in church and even applying them to our lives, something so basic yet we fail to do. We need to be like David, being faithful in the small things and and watching the sheep. I want to be faithful in the small things. So when God shows me the big things, I will be ready to the best of my ability to follow him. So lastly, in my message today, I want to end it by talking about the giant slayer, okay? The living and the one true God. Verse 46, it reads, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. 
and jump down to verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with the stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. David knew that he could not beat this giant in his own strength. Yes, he was prepared, and yes, he was faithful in the small things, but the most important thing was that he didn't rely on his own strength, but David relied on God. And again, if we ever, ever want to beat these giants in our lives, we need to rely on God's grace to help us overcome the problems. It doesn't matter how much we prepare, and if God's not involved, we'll never achieve victory over these giants that hold us back. But the best part about this is that God wants you to have victory over these giants. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Who better to help you than the Almighty God who has overcome the world? Psalms 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God wants to help me. That's the truth. God wants to help you, and God will show us his grace and overcome to overcome these giants. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So let me ask you this, and we'll be done. We'll wrap it up with this. What are the giants in your life? What giants are in your way that keep you from being effective for God? Is it a sin in our life that we excuse? Or is it a situation that, that we're going through? Maybe, maybe you're like me, and the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future is, is holding you back. Are we going to be like the men of Israel in this passage, relying on our own strength and making a million excuses as, as to why we can't or cannot? Or are we going to be like David, being faithful in the small things, preparing ourselves and relying on God to defeat the giants in our life? Whatever sins or worries we have in our life that seem too big, God wants to help you defeat them. So the simple thought I want to leave you with is, let God do just that. Be faithful to God and allow him to use you and work through you. Pastor.